From Tally to Cali, it's time to wake up. Warchant.com is your ultimate seminal sports source. And this is Wake Up Warchant, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. One more, now here's Warchant.com's ass on Hunch of Andy and Corey Clark. What is up, everybody? It's Wake Up War Champ presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Coming up on today's show, mock draft season has started. Will any of Florida State's underclassmen regret hopping to the NFL too early? Strange happenings in Columbus and in Gainesville. And Michael Langston breaks down the recruiting weekend after several elite prospects visit campus. Wake Up War Champ presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill, Tallahassee, Florida, 24 24- 75 Appalachia Parkway, upstairs, can't miss it, Corner Pocket Bar and Grill, an anchor, an anchor in that little shopping plaza. Lunch special today from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m., a delicious, juicy, 100% all-black Angus beef burger that comes with a side dish of your choice, straight fries, curly fries, onion rings, potato salad, coleslaw, broccoli, side salad, tater tots, or freshly cooked potato chips. You get lettuce, tomato, onion, pickle with that half-pound black Angus burger. Usually $12.99, but $8.99 on Mondays from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. That is your lunch special at the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill in Tallahassee. Warchant.com, your ultimate symbol sports source. Five-star rating, thumbs up, positive glowing review, all that sort of stuff appreciated when you're listening to us, whether it's on the podcast form or on the YouTube. Uh, all that stuff is very cool. Almost as cool as Corey Clark. Corey Clark, everybody. What's up, man? How are you, friend? I'm good, buddy. I hope you had a good weekend. I trust that you did. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? Okay. Yeah, man, not too bad. It's uh, I was up in Atlanta, obviously, still am, and it was uh, very, very cold. So didn't do anything outside at all. It just tried to stay warm. Why was it? Why was it obvious that you were in Atlanta? I, I didn't know. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean obviously. I mean, uh, no, I meant I, I don't know how I said it. Sometimes I just throw obviously okay. in there because I assume you guys just keep up with my life. You have me on Life Three Sixty. Uh, I have the thing with the with the wedding thing go the other day. Are we allowed to talk about that out in the open? Uh, you meeting with the, uh, yeah, yeah, we got it all. Uh, we, 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 it's all coming together. The plan's okay. coming together. Um, uh, we like her. We like what she's doing. We like the ideas that Stephanie and I have brought. Uh, it's going to be a lot of laughs, hopefully, mm. uh, not as serious a wedding as most people go to. So, uh, yeah, should be fun. Okay. Looking forward to it. What's the countdown at right now? E, what are we at? Like 40, what are we, 44 days, something okay. like that? All right. Nice Hank old- Aaron days? I'm not sure. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, I think we're getting close to Hank Aaron days. A nice little uh, something for us to look forward to on the calendar before, I guess, the draft coming down. Right. Uh, well, in spring practice, you know, spring practice will be uh, right after that, I imagine. Yeah, spring. We, t- we talked a lot about spring on the last show in the mailbag. A lot of spring leaders, spring uh, mm. transfers are most f- looking forward to seeing things like that. Um want to talk about the draft real quick just because I threw it out there in the group chat the other day, but some of this stuff starting to kind of come out now. I think Daniel Jeremiah of NFL.com released his first mock draft 1.0. Obviously, there hasn't been the senior bowl. There hasn't been any pro days. There hasn't been the combine. That stuff kind of shakes everything up. Was interested to see, I don't what was the number I put in there? Like five? Five or six wide receivers he's got mocked going into the first round. Again, Daniel Jeremiah, pretty good, pretty good, pretty solid over on NFL.com. But Keon Coleman, not one of the receivers uh, that he has projected to go in the first round. He's got like two of the dudes from LSU. He's obviously got Marvin Harrison Jr. He's got Troy Franklin from Oregon. He's got uh, Roma Dunze. Um, And then I look, though, at Mel Kuyper, and Mel Kuyper's hot board 
has Keon very high up on the big board. So I guess that's that's pretty that's pretty good to see. Do you think we'll be at any point where we'll be like, man, that guy should have should have stuck around? Will there be anybody from this FSU class that left early? You think come whatever April or May, whenever this draft happens, where we'll kind of look back and be like, you know what, man, might might have been better if you would have stayed. A little selfishly, obviously, because we cover the team and you folks root for the team. But uh, any feelings after seeing some of these things come out so far? I think verse 18th on Kuiper's big board. He's got Keon Coleman 13th on the big board. And then Daniel Jeremiah had a verse mocked to go ninth to the Bears. I feel like um, Johnny Wilson, isn't he the only one that left early? Left with eligibility left other than verse and Coleman? Uh, Trey Benson, but and Jaheim, yeah, I think. Yeah, well. maybe Jaheim had a year. I, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. I guess he would have. Um, especially when it comes to Trey, no, because what else does he? What else is he going to prove? Like, yeah. he is what he is at this point. Um, uh, maybe he. I, I, people always have this. I think it's a fallacy to think that um, you can come back and up your stock. Now that can happen, but after three years of college, and Trey Benson has played two years, a lot of college football in the last two years. He is what he is. There, what do you want him to do, score 19 touchdowns next year? Like, he's already produced. He's already shown his speed. He's already shown what he can do on film. Uh, and when you're a running back, man, that's shelf life. Go get paid while you can. Uh, now, I hear you guys can say, well, he got paid here. But, you know, go get paid while you can. You know, he's not going to – I don't think if he gets drafted in the sixth round, it'll be like, man, what a mistake. Because he, he'll be in the NFL with a chance to go now strike now and try to get in the NFL. And I think the same thing could be said for Johnny. Um, I don't expect Johnny to be a first-round pick. Uh, clearly, I, I think he could be – I think he should be a second-day pick for sure. I think he should be somewhere in the second and third rounds. I just – you would think some teams would understand how odd it is for a guy that size to be able to move like that. Um, he was not just getting open. He was not just catching a bunch of jump balls. Mm. Like Johnny Wilson got free of smaller cornerbacks a lot. He doesn't have Mike Evans' speed, but he gets free a lot like Mike Evans Mike, Mike Evans does. Great game by Evans on mm, Sunday, yeah. by the way. He's, Hall of Famer Mike Evans. Yeah. Uh, but so that's that the same thing there. Like, yeah, Johnny could have come back. What What is he going to add? He's not going to be able to run a 4-4-2 no matter how many years of college he has. So in my opinion, once you've, once you've produced at the level they've produced, you're not, I don't think you're costing yourself a lot of money by, by coming back. Um you know, last year you could look at Jared Verse. Uh, he came back. Um, you know, he had only played, what, seven games of healthy college football. Now he's played a lot more, so I think he's I think he's solidified as a first round. A lot of times we think these people, uh, because we see a mock draft in October, we think, oh, God, he was going to be the number one pick in the draft. Like, they said that about Claw- Jimmy Clausen and Matt Barkley. But yeah, go down the line of all these quarterbacks that were supposed to be the top pick in the draft. Tavares McFadden was supposed to be a first-round pick. Levante Taylor was supposed to be a first-round yeah, pick. Yeah, man, it's like, no, no, no. They just came back and proved what they were. Oh. Um, and, and so, like, they, it wasn't necessarily – like. and also I wanted to say, like, with somebody like Jimmy Clausen, it's like, okay, all these guys have slated him to be the number one pick in the, in the, in the draft, and then all of a sudden he comes – he gets scouted by real scouts. Like, they don't even bother watching him. Once he gets scouted by real scouts, go to his com- does his combine, go to pro days, uh, you know, does his pro days, that's when you that's when the real evaluation starts. Right now, it's kind of guesswork. Um, so, the, all that being said, I don't think – and that was a lot. I think Keon Coleman, Jared Verse, and Johnny Wilson and Trey Benson made perfectly good choices. 
I don't think there was much left for them to prove. I can't imagine Keon is in at least the second-round pick. And as I, t- as I texted you, if he's drafted 40th next year, he's guaranteed of making almost $8 million. Hmm. I think Keon will probably want, be one of the top 40 picks, and he's set for life if he spends his money well. So go do it now. There's no, the risk, the reward of coming back and turning yourself into what a top twenty pick. I don't know offsets the uh, offsets the risk of, you know, having your leg break apart like Jordan Travis's did. That's fair. I just I wonder if it's not a great class to be part of because it is so deep seemingly. Again, like Brian Thomas Jr., yeah. the guy from LSU, the the sort of uh, taller, more gangly of the bunch out of there. And we didn't even, we didn't even mention Malik neighbors. I even mentioned Malik neighbors earlier when I was li- rattling off all these wide receivers, kind of like Quinn Ewers was like, all right, man, I'm, I'm going to come back after all because, you know, Penix had a good run towards the end of the season. And obviously Caleb and Drake may and Bo Nix and, you know, all these guys like, all right, man, I, I should probably sit it out. You can't fault at all. Jared verse for going. And I, I'm not even trying to fault Keon Coleman, but and, and you pointed out well again if he's a top forty guy, he's going to make what eight million dollars, eight and a half yeah. guaranteed, guaranteed, yeah, over the course of the contract, not in one year, but over the course of the contract. Um, so it's like all right, man. That's you know, I know Battle's End uh, has a lot of good marketing deals, but that that's a really, really, really good marketing deal, eight million dollars. But you just wonder, like, what if you do come back and you catch. 72 passes for 1180 yards and nine touchdowns or something like does that then make you like a for sure top 15 pick I don't know I don't know these things but again he's talented enough that he's going to trust and bet on himself but uh, just something that kind of caught my eye but uh, well done though Corey to to stop me in my tracks and be like Mm, don't you got don't throw shade at Keon I don't want to throw shade at Keon at any point it'll be interesting to see where he goes though because he's not he's not a blazer He's not super duper fast, but he's six. I think the what people lose sight of is how big the kid is. Keon, I'm talking about, because he doesn't blow you away with his speed or really his shiftiness, until you realize, oh yeah, he's six four and moving like that, mm-hmm. and he attacks the ball really, really well. Clearly, um, and when he's healthy, he's just a different kind of dude that's really hard to cover. And I think you know he hasn't been a serious, serious football player, but for two years, right? Like he was literally, he was a big time basketball player, gang. Like he he signed with Michigan State and Tom played Izzo, basketball yeah. at Michigan State for Tom Izzo, like a real basketball player. Like he is a like he was spending his off season, you know, playing travel hoops, AAU hoops, because he was a big time prospect. Um, so now that he's devoted fully to football, who knows what that guy's ceiling is, man? Uh, so yeah, I, I'm interested where he goes because he's not gonna he's not gonna kill him at the combine. He's not gonna throw up a four four one. Um, so I wonder what what that will what that will do to him. But I would you know if I'm drafting, I don't know, man. If I'm drafting late first, or if I'm certainly drafting anywhere in the second, I'm like, yeah. If Keon Coleman's available, that dude is a playmaker, and he's going to go score touchdowns in the league. Mm. Uh, Jared Verse, uh, as we said, mock ninth on Daniel Jeremiah's uh, first mock draft. Kuipers got him at uh, 18. Where is he? Where is he on yours? Uh, Have you come out with yours yet? I've not they, released They my mean about draft. as much as those, so I, <laughs> oh, I was no. wondering what you thought. No, I mean, I think that's got him going as, as the first defensive end. Maybe not the first, you know, rusher. I think Dallas Turner might be considered also like a, a pass rusher out of Alabama. I think he might be ahead of him in a couple of these uh, listings as an outside linebacker. But no, I got I got uh, Jared going high. I just want to bring back Jared so I could segue to defensive ends, mm. uh, a guy that would spell him on occasion uh, was Gilbert Edmond who entered the transfer portal 
uh, and returned to South Carolina uh, yeah. last week. Uh, his old new head coach, Shane Beamer, uh, took quite delight, Corey, in the return of the prodigal son. Had this to say uh, when speaking to reporters up in Columbia, South Carolina last week. Wanted to get your thoughts on it after we listened to him. Probably the biggest thing, it makes a hell of a statement about our program. A hell of a statement about our program that you hear a lot of these guys that they leave here for different reasons and they want to go home. He went home. He went home to the state of Florida. He went undefeated. He won a conference championship. And all that wasn't enough. He said, I want to come back to Columbia, South Carolina, because I realize now that the grass isn't always greener. And I realize now what a special thing that we have at South Carolina is. And I want to give up because he's probably going to be a starter down in Tallahassee this next upcoming season. I'm willing to give that up to come back to compete for a role. Yeah. So I saw this on Twitter. It was, uh, it was making the rounds. Um, and I, there, I have a few issues with this. Number one, that South Carolina's football Twitter account decided to tweet this out. Uh, why, why, why expose yourself like that to what's coming? Um, and then also Beamer saying what he's saying. Like, I look, he's trying to sell the program and the beauty of the program. And I didn't comment on it on Twitter. And I really don't want to comment on – I'll comment on this part of it briefly because I don't want to kill the kid because he was part of a 13-0 football team. It was an important part. He wasn't great. He was – I don't even know if he was solid. He was okay backing up uh, Peyton and Verse. But he played, you know, I don't know how many snaps Gilbert Edmond played, but probably 250 snaps, somewhere around there, for a 13-0 football team. He was a part of this team. I don't want to dunk on the kid and make fun of the prospect that he was going to start this year, but he was not going to start this year. Um, and it is not a matter of this kid came to Florida State in the whole time, as he's winning every game he played, Shane, thinking, golly, I would be having such a better time at Columbia. Are they going to make a bowl? I don't care. I love it there, and I love that guy. I love his press conferences. I love, you know, being mediocre, being on a mediocre football team. So that that's what bothered me is that thought of, and I get it, man. His his program has been pillaged uh, by Florida State, so I understand that he would have ill will towards Mike Norvell and the staff. It's just completely hollow because we all know the person you're talking about. We all know what his uh, talent level was and his production was. And then you make all these Florida State fans come out of the woodwork on Twitter, and 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 all they did was talk smack about Gilbert Edmond, Aww, which, which is, well, I mean, because they're but they're not talking smack. They're basically saying, "What are you crazy? He didn't leave here because he wanted to go play play at Florida State. He, he, he or play at South Carolina because the grass is greener there. He wanted playing time because he wasn't good enough at Florida State to be a starter, against what you just said." He was not going to be a starter, so it made it made Florida State fans defensive about their program, which they've been mighty defensive here for the last seven weeks. But also, it's like, man, that's not even the truth. He was going to be what Aslan, the sixth defensive end on this team. Oh no! I mean, look, Patrick Payton, Marvin Jones, my man from West Virginia, my man from Oregon State, Byron Turner. He's maybe the fifth, but yeah. he's probably sixth. Um, so let's not paint it as if you got. Uh, Jared Verse to transfer to South Carolina or Jaheim Bell to transfer back. That's a, that's all. He just but I get it. I if I if I was Shane Beamer, I would try to take those little victories too when it comes to Florida State and like puff my chest out. Hey, we got a guy to come back because he realized what a special thing we got going here at South Carolina. We didn't tell him what the record was. 
but but he knows there's something special going on in here, South Carolina. Nothing special happened in Tallahassee this past year, other than you know the 13 wins. I said other he, than was, that. That, he was like, hey man, he, he was part of a team that went undefeated, won their conference championship. He you know he wasn't. He was pointing out Florida State's uh, successes. But why do you think, Aslan, why do you think Gilbert Edmond went back to South Carolina? I don't think he had a, that part he should have omitted. I mean, I, everything else was probably would have been fine. I don't think yes. he would have really, you know, riled the hornet's nest of the, the Florida State fans online. But when you say that he turned down a like he turned down a starting job in Tallahassee to come back there. But at the same time, I don't think that's that much of a, 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 a hyperbolic statement. Like it, it is, but like it's it's not. It's not patently false and uh, insulting, but it is kind of disingenuous. But and it also again, get, it, yeah. it kind of set up Gilbert to be a pinata a little bit. With, with just well, if you're an overly online college yeah. football fan, yes. But if you're kind of practical and reasonable, you could probably just kind of laugh it off and move on with your day. But yes, point taken. He played 654 snaps, by the way, his last season in Columbia. Last year he played, I think, 300 and change so yeah double the yeah so that's gets a lot more tape 322 last season Hmm. graded out at 96.5 against north alabama on six snaps that crushed them um yeah otherwise i mean florida game louisville game miami game he played under 20 snaps but then every other game he played over 20 so but yeah he I get it, I, and I, I forgot about my guy from West Virginia, Tomiwa Durojaye. I thought he was an interior guy, but he's a he's a two hundred seventy pound, uh, two hundred seventy eight pound edge guy. So, yeah, that puts him at fifth, which yeah, not great in your what fifth, sixth year of college football. Mm. Um, but enjoy that victory. Enjoy, enjoy it though, Shane Beamer. Enjoy that moment in the sun. Yeah. Um, hard, hard earned. Otherwise, going across the country, Corey. Uh, you remember what? the scene in Jerry Maguire when uh, Rod Tidwell is hugging it up with uh, Tom Cruise after the big game where he, he he almost breaks his neck but scores the touchdown? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then Bob Sugar is like, this is a nice moment. I'm going to let you have it. I'm going to let you have this moment. <laughs> it's, a nice, it's a really good moment for you. That's what Mike, Mike Morvell <laughs> is doing with Shane Beamer right now. <laughs> uh, well said. Well said. Great metaphor. Splendid metaphor. Uh, moving along elsewhere, elsewhere across the country. What's going on in Columbus, Ohio, Corey? Uh, mm. As a as a sleeping giant that really hasn't been sleeping, have they been awoke, stirred out of their slumber? They hired Bill O'Brien to be their offensive coordinator, which is weird. Yeah. Uh, I guess in hindsight, I'm like, wow, that's a pretty big hire. Uh, but then you realize that, you know, he coached under Bill Belichick and Nick Saban for a while and somehow never won a national championship or a Super Bowl coaching with those fellas. Um, plus, I mean, I looked. I think four out of the last six years, Ryan Day has had a top ten scoring offense. Uh, one of those years, he was like thirteenth. Last year, they were forty fourth. But that's yeah. I don't know. If you're like a, I guess if you're Ohio State fan, like this is cool. Like our coach maybe sees a flaw in something that's going on. He's going to do everything he can to fix it. But they get Caleb Downs. Uh, they also steal away Alabama's top quarterback, incoming recruit uh, Julian San. I think I don't know if his first name is Julian, but his last name is San. I know that. Uh, also got Quinshawn Judkins out of the portal from Ole Miss. Uh, I'm not too blown away by it all, but a lot of uh, college football fans are. Um, that and then also the guy from Alabama getting tampered with, uh, maybe p- possibly by the Iowa staff. Uh, any of this stuff catch your radar over the weekend, Corey? Um, yeah, I mean, I think Ohio State is uh, they're going to start the season number one in the country. I, I don't know who their quarterback is going to be. Will uh, maybe uh, Georgia? Will Howard? Uh, Will Howard from Ohio uh, from uh, Kansas State? He he went. Yeah, there, the, the the five star kid that transferred in isn't 
you know what I was thinking about this, Aslan? So I just went on On3's rankings earlier today, and he's still listed in the official rankings, and I, I bet this is true for all the recruiting sites. He's still listed as part of Alabama's 2024 class that's ranked number two in the country. Mm. But if you take him away, and then you take away, I don't know, three or four other guys that are pro- have probably – I know one, one of their corners just committed to Florida out of that class, yeah. and I'm sure they've lost a few others – what, their recruiting class isn't a top five recruiting class anymore. Not without that kid. Yeah. No. So all I'm thinking of is, okay, how can Florida State edge right in there in the top ten, right, folks? Like Alabama should be plummeting. Oh. Alabama should have like that 19th ranked recruiting class when this is all said and done. But I, I was wondering if these networks go back retroactively and change the rankings based on if the kid actually enrolled. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um this is yeah. This is like a a very new kind of problem yeah. because of the timing of of Saban's retirement. So right, yeah. Because yeah, they, they, these kids are not part of that class, but I guess they sent their NLI in. So you kind of kind of take that for what it is. But because I I guess technically they enrolled, but they're going to enter the transfer portal too. So it's not like he's a. It's yeah, it's bizarre. Uh, all that. I also think I read. I think I read that he left. He left when Saban, when the Saban announcement came. He was enrolled, but yeah. then left. So he's not like going to classes right now. I think, I guess, maybe he's going to Ohio State. I don't know how any of this works. <laughs> you know, I really don't like, especially when it comes to a kid like that who's who's a, who just chose a, a Caleb Downs. Like, is Caleb Downs going to be? Is he in Columbus right now? Is he going to school, or is he just working out out of his apartment that they're paying for? Like, how does it work? Good questions, right? These are good questions. Because uh, why Why would he say he, – there's no way he's still at Alabama, right? Correct. That's one thing that I remember about – this was well before the era we, we're in now. When – after the national championship game against Auburn, and I think after spring practice of the next year, but I can't quite remember, Coker announced he was transferring to Alabama. And I remember asking Jimbo, like, is he still going to, like – is he still going to eat in the dining hall? Does he still get his tuition paid for? Does he still get to use your – and he's like, yeah. Yeah, like he looked at me incredulously like, yeah, of course, he's on scholarship. And I'm like, yeah, but he's on scholarship and you know he doesn't want to be here and he's not going to be here as soon as the semester's over. But yet he's he's able to get stronger and faster and all proteined up here at your place even though he's not a part of your team. He's actually going to a competitor. So yeah, I just wonder. But I know Rod. I know Coker stayed. I wonder with with Caleb Downs, like he can he enroll in school? Is he at Ohio State? These are all these are all questions we've never had to answer before, folks. Nobody just no Caleb Downs is in the history of the world. After one year, decided in the middle of January, I'm going to another school, and it was just allowed. And then they show up, and I assume he can be in class. I don't know. Is he is he a walk on right now? Well, and they'll I, they'll make him whole after the semester's over. Like, how does any of this work? I've mean, pulled it up. So Ohio State's first day of school was January eighth, right? But there's a there's a window here uh, that I just lost. It's got some funky name to it though. But it's got some last day to add. Where did it go? There's some. There's like a February second deadline to uh. to enter some other. De- last day to register for audit or pass non-pass options for a course for undergraduate students is February 2nd. So mm. maybe they'll put him in a okay. couple of those weird classes or something to All right. get him enrolled in time and to let him play spring football. Well, and look, I, I know people tune into this so we can break down Caleb Downs' class schedule. Hmm. 
That's uh, that's what that's what wake up Orchan is all about. But yeah, that just caught my that, search that, for truth. I, I was I just wondered about that, um, but yeah, going back to Ohio State, yeah, man, because it's not just who they got in the portal. Um, Caleb Downs, they got the best player in the portal, and then they got this super duper freshman quarterback, but he's not going to play. Yeah, they also got a they also got a bunch of dudes to return, um, right. some guys that would have been draft picks. So yeah, they're going to be they're going to be a handful next year. But when was the last year Ohio State wasn't a handful? Oh eight, like I, I don't know when Eddie George. No, they were good when Eddie George was there. Like I, I Luke don't know the Fickle, last time. The one year, the one year that that yeah. uh, what who was it? Uh, was Trestle got suspended for a year and then he filled in for him, or Urban That's wasn't right. there for Maybe. a year or something? I think yeah, before Urban, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, somewhere in there, somewhere in the like late aughts. Uh, they maybe had a down year too. So yeah, I think Ohio State's going to be uh, very very good. But we knew that anyway. There is almost no way conceivable. I don't know if we can do this on my bookie or not, just bet on a team to get to the playoffs. There's almost no conceivable way that Ohio State doesn't make the playoff. I said that last week. It's been reinforced, obviously. They're going to be a very, very good football team. But the beauty is, man, there's no guarantee that there there, there certainly there aren't. With the 12-team playoff, yeah, they're probably going to get a bye. But after that, it's going to be obviously very tough. It's going to be very tough. To uh to win the national championship, you don't just have to win two games anymore. Um, and so, but yes, I think that them and Georgia to me are the only surefire, absolute going to be in the playoff teams heading into next year. And there's a bunch of question marks, Florida State being one of them, but Ohio State and Georgia, especially after this weekend, but I think even before that, Ohio State and Georgia were uh, automatics to be in the playoffs next year. But that's still still got ten open spots, Aslan. Not to belabor the point, but the reason I brought this up was there was a, a thread over on the premium recruiting board, warchant.com, which will have Michael Langston joining us here shortly. Uh, that was entitled, Ohio State Football Makes Me So Mad. And it read, Corey, where in the hell are they getting all this money to keep their whole roster from going to the NFL and staying another year? Judkins has to be getting paid a ridiculous amount to go there with Henderson at running back. They reset the market on Jeremiah Smith, just land Caleb Downs from Bama, who was the best secondary player in the country, not named Travis Hunter. And now they're trending to get Saiyan, the top 24 quarterback, after they already signed Air Noland. Get the hell out of here with this. This roster is unreal. And I want to know when they're going to go under investigation. They're your national champs. I'll put all my chips on them in Vegas. Absolutely not real. To which I uh, wrote a, a response. Florida State football makes me so mad. Where in the hell are they getting all this money to keep their whole roster from going to the NFL and staying another year? Keon Coleman has to be getting paid a ridiculous amount to go there with Johnny Wilson already at receiver. They reset the market on Hakeem Williams. They just land Jaheim Bell from South Carolina, who's the best tight end in the country, not named Brock Bowers. And now they're trending to get Cromanhawk, the top 24 quarterback, after they signed Brock Glenn? Get the hell out of here with this. This roster is unreal. I want to know when they're going to go under investigation. Too soon. They're your national champs. I'll put all my chips on them in Vegas. Absolutely not real. Right. Hey, clever, Aslan. Clever. Um, And they kept their quarterback uh, heading into last year. Ohio State did not. Ohio State's starting quarterback transferred to, where did he go, Rutgers? Syracuse. Syracuse, that's right. Close, ACC, close. yeah, that's right. He's an ACC. He's a brother, brother in arms. Actually, no. Did he go to? I want to see maybe. Go- I think you're right. I think he went to Syracuse. I think you're right. Mm. I think you nailed it. Don't hey, don't second guess yourself. Comacord, Comacord, yeah, by the way, you did it. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I get it. You know, and obviously, I know you're being tongue in cheek there. Like, Hakeem Williams was a highly rated player. He wasn't a once-in-a-generation wide receiver like Jeremiah Smith apparently is. No. And Caleb Downs is Caleb Downs. Uh, so, yeah, they, they, they did really well. But also, folks, like, 
this is the world. Until it gets stopped, this is the world. It's never like a like they get a lot of money. Ohio State makes a ton of money. They have a I don't know what their enrollment is. Six hundred thousand. Who knows? Who knows what their student enrollment is? I know it's the biggest. Either them or Texas is the biggest school in the country, um, and they have a million gazillion alums, and they have a. I, they have more. They, once they get all their ducks in a row, they're going to have more money than they know what to do with. Clearly, and they can do this every year. That's that's what has changed in the short term, in my opinion, is guys that are fringe second or third day picks, like many of the players on last year's team, on for Florida State. It's a, it's not an automatic that you leave. Like you can get paid as much money to play in college that you would on a rookie contract or close to it, and you could maybe up your stock by ten or twenty picks or however you want to view that. But I, I just think this is the world we live in, man. Like I, I, I just think it is. Like if you're not a surefire first or second rounder, if you might be a fourth or fifth round pick, the days of the, uh, you know, Brandon Jenkins leaving early. Or Jalen Wilkerson, they're, they're, I don't think that's going to happen nearly as much. Uh, Auden Tate, like you're going to have a lot of good, a lot of reasons to come back to school uh, because you're going to make your money, and you can then go into the draft the next year after uh, making your after your quote unquote money year. When, when is the money year for a college football player now, Aslan? <laughs> is it between freshman and sophomore year? Is that the money year, your freshman year, no, or is it sophomore going into junior? No, man, it's it's the year between your senior year of high school and your freshman year in college, right? <laughs> apparently, That's the money. apparently, man, That's what a crazy, money. what a crazy sport. Mm-hmm. I I'm sorry, I keep lamenting it. Uh, Florida State has a good team, very good program. Mm-hmm. They're doing well with the collective. This this cannot last in the long term. Says you who? Cannot, Says who? You cannot compete financially in the long term with Ohio State because they are going they are going to start funneling this money oh, whether conference. it's legal or not. Yeah. Yes, I'm talking about when they when they're making 35 million dollars a year more than you, they can funnel all that money to their coaching staff, and all the money that was going to the coaching staff through the booster fund can now go to the collective. This is all going to happen very very quickly. But in the meantime, you are on level ground with them for maybe another year or two until they sign that new massive TV contract. Or maybe they already have. I don't remember when that when that takes place. But you need to make as much ground up as you can here because once they figure this out, if nothing changes, that's where the money comes in, where Florida is going to make 35 or $40 million a year more than you annually. So, okay, we'll pay Billy Napier out of this fund. And, oh, that $8 million that we had set aside for our – well, whatever. What would it be for an entire coaching staff? $20 million? Probably. For one season, yeah, about. Yeah. yeah. That goes to the roster, which is more important or as important. That's where we are in this stupid sport. That's where we are in it. But so far, count your, count your blessings, everyone, as Florida State fans. You've got a good, really good collective, and you've got a really good coach. And it's worked out right now where you are meaningful again. Let's just hope you can keep building on it. Vitamin Energy. VitaminEnergy.com. Promo code WarchantBogo. Warchant, B-O-G-O. Vitamin Energy is the world's first and only clinically tested, clinically proven, award-winning energy shot patent pending. There's no sugar. 260 milligrams of all-natural caffeine. And then, oh yeah, a slew of vitamins and nutrients, depending on which bottle you pull out of your box. Try the variety pack. It's got the Mood Plus, the Focus Plus, the Workout Plus, the Immune Plus. Try them out, the different flavors, the different varieties. The Mood Plus, 
packed with energy and the benefits of lemon balm extract, chamomile flower extract, passion flower extract, valerian root extract, and some other stuff to put you in a good mood, get you started on the right, right foot every single day when you wake up. Sometimes you'll gotta take a half shot if you're a guy like me. Half shot does me does me just fine. Try it. I think you'll like it. Try vitaminergy.com. Use that promo code WARCHAMPBOGO and buy one and get one free on your first order. Vitaminergy.com. Energy with benefits. A team that has neither a good collective nor a good coach, the Florida Gators. Mm. Uh, they are under investigation, uh, NCAA investigation, for the recruitment of Jaden Rashada, who's now with Kenny Dillingham and Tempe. My favorite part of the story uh, that was on the wires, but also on ESPN.com. Uh, first graph from Mark Schleybaugh here. Florida's football program is under NCAA investigation regarding its recruitment of quarterback prospect Jaden Rashada. Five graphs later, Rashada's name was not mentioned in the letter, nor was the nature of the alleged NCAA rules investigation, according to the Associated Press. Hmm. So uh, okay. they're under and maybe they are. Maybe they're not. Maybe it's him. Maybe it's not. Uh, but like that's got to really sting if you're Florida, right? Like you didn't get this kid. No, well, same get the thing kid. happened to Florida State. Well, but this they was just didn't name the kid. But well, the same thing happened. They didn't get him. Well, this happened in a much more embarrassing public way. Correct. Uh, like we might have, you know, yeah. you know, we. I took some arrows. Uh, the brand took some arrows, but like the whole entire Florida Gator program was a yes. punchline the entire time the Jane and Rashada stuff happened here. So. Um, yeah, maybe maybe this all makes sense now. Why they were waiting out for uh, my guy out there in Washington now, Jed Fish, to come back home to Gainesville because who survives this now, right? I mean, what what possibly could Billy Napier do in the next twelve, not even twelve months, like ten months to keep his job? I and mean, he he's got to be dead man walking. There's there is no hotter seat in all the country going to the season than him now, right? Yeah, and what's interesting about it is you wonder what. Washington has to know that. They, I know I know they looked at Jed Fish's resume. They're like, oh, you went to Florida, huh? That's interesting. You went to Florida during the Spurrier years? Okay, so you saw a lot of winning. That's how you got your start. You were uh, Apparently the whole story was he would leave notes on Spurrier's car every day. I just want to help. Let me be a part of the staff. I'll do anything. I'll make copies. I'll make coffee. However he got his foot in the door, that's how it happened. Uh, I don't think he was a player, but I could be, I could be wrong. It's a, been a while since I read that story. But um, – but they have to know that he will be number one on Florida's list. So is there any sort of language in that contract that keeps him from going to another school after a year? Is there any sort of non-compete clause? I'm guessing no, because I'm guessing Jimmy Sexton or whoever his agent is is like, I, he will not sign that contract. You are not going to keep him from making as much money as he can. That's un-American. And, oh, yeah, you're going to have to pay up again next year when Florida comes calling. That's how it works. That's how the world works. But it, it, talk about there, there seem to be almost two um, absolutes going into the 2024 season. Three, Georgia, Ohio State make the playoff. Florida's going to fire its coach. And – it, Napier might be a pretty good coach when it's all said and done. I, I don't know. But that schedule, like that schedule, even if he does a great job, you feel like eight and four is the ceiling. Their it's schedule a, is brutal. I need to actually pull it up here. But continue it's a on. Really, Sorry. there are no, there's like one gimme on the whole schedule. Um, and there, there are 11 games where they are going to have to play well to win. Because again, I don't, 
Maybe they get Kentucky and Vanderbilt still. I don't know. Can you can you pull they that do, up? They do. They do. So you want me to go through the whole thing or just this yeah, one Yeah, just stretch read it here? real quick. Read it real quick. Oh, let me just – I just want to read this one. So they start hosting uh, Miami. Certainly not a guaranteed win. That's going to be a pick em. Right. Samford at home. That's the gimme. A&M at home. That's a probably a pick em. They'll probably be favored, but they could lose that game for sure. At Mississippi State. Definitely can lose that game. Off week. Okay, I don't think they can lose that yeah. one. We'll see. Well, you never know. You never know. Sharks jump on boats. Coaches jump <laughs> on sharks. Right. That's right. Uh, UCF at home. Yeah, that's a losable game, man. And UCF, that's a crazy game to schedule. Yeah. It's great that they did it, I guess. But UCF is not a joke, and that will not be a cakewalk. At Tennessee. Yeah, definitely going to be underdogs in that one. And then the schedule gets hard. Well, yeah, they host Kentucky. Then they have yeah. an off week. And then this is just absolute murderer's row. Jacksonville against Georgia, world's yep. largest cocktail party, some of us call it still, at Texas, yep. host LSU, host Ole Miss, at Florida State. Yeah, so again, Good read luck. those last five again. Georgia, Texas, LSU, Ole Miss, Florida State. Okay, so that's five teams that finished this past year ranked in the top 13 in the country, um, including, you know, what, three of the top five. Um, that's really tough. And even if they play unbelievably well during that stretch, you're talking about maybe three and two. Yeah. If the you know what I mean, probably two and three or one and four, and then you put it on top of what they start the season with, and it's like okay, you're looking at a six and six season, maybe seven and five, eight and four, somewhere in there. If they get really lucky with turnovers and injuries, that's he's dead man coaching, man. And he's not beloved. Nobody likes him. He has not ingratiated himself. All that being said. He's going to lose. He's going to lose his job. And then where does Florida go? That's their first call, right, to Washington. Yeah. I guess, yeah. Or maybe our guy out there in Dallas, uh, Rhett Lashley. Sorry. Well, yeah, it's Dallas. I think SMU, not Fort yeah, Worth. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's Dallas. Fort Worth TCU. You yeah. got it right. Uh, so yeah, that's. I mean, I just you know that's something that has like I can't imagine Florida. The Florida administration was really fired up when. Uh, DeBoer left Washington in the jet fit because I, you know, they had their eyes on him. All right, you yeah. know they did, and now, but they still could go get him. Who knows? They're gonna have more money, and they know what to do with too. So, and Washington doesn't, not for a little while anyway, until they get fully vested in the Big Ten. So, it's gonna be fun to watch. According to Wikipedia, Jed Fish did not play football at the high school or college level, and his uh, college roommate was actually Howie Roseman, who's the Philadelphia Eagles GM. Huh. Look at that. So well, maybe uh, well, okay. The well, they, aren't they about to fire their coach <laughs> yeah. after that debacle to end yeah. the season? Yeah, maybe he'll be an NFL head coach. Yeah, send Sirianni down to Gainesville. Howie, do your alma mater is solid. Do How solid. about that? How about guys? McDaniel, I guess McDaniel did play at like Yale or something. The oh, Dolphins yeah, head yeah, coach. Yeah, correct. Uh, yeah. But there is so uh, Dillingham didn't play in college. No, and he's the. Co How about that? The two main flagship universities, Arizona, this past year had two dudes that didn't play in, didn't play a down of college football. And they were the head coaches. So Brady has a chance. That's all I'm saying. Brady has a chance. All, all of our kids have chances, if you're listening to this. Get your kids watching some game film. They might be able to be a head coach one day. Uh, speaking of those future schedules, Corey, Florida State three-day unveil on the <laughs> ACC network coming up. Yeah, yeah. Adjectives for how ridiculous that is, or is am I am I being grumpy? Well, is it I actually think you cool. Should... Like, awesome, three days. No, worth. no, it's, it's dumb. I, I think what – how you should frame it is we find out the schedule on Wednesday. Okay. That's when the unveiling is. 
it's not like they're doing the first month this day, the second month. Th- it is kind of odd that they're doing it the way they're doing it. So kind um, of odd. Okay. It's very odd. So on Monday, later today, folks, uh, we'll find out Florida State's uh, week one opponent. Now, we know week zero, that's Georgia Tech and Ireland. Week one opponent. Um, and we, we already, I think we do know it, but it's, you know, secret, but – uh, we'll be in a conference game, let's just say, um, the uh, on week one. And then the next day, Tuesday, they unveil the special night, Thursday night, Friday night games. Mm, yeah. So, again, I imagine At Florida 4 State will be in. 4 p.m. both days, kids. 4 yeah. p.m. I imagine we'll find out that Florida State probably has one or two of those. I can't imagine the ACC was all about doing – their iconic brand, a lot of favors here. Uh, maybe the whole season, every single road game they play is going to be a Thursday night game with, with no rest. I, hey, w- wouldn't put it past them, right? And so that's what we find out on Tuesday. What Monday, just the first week game yes. after Georgia Tech. Tuesday, you find out, I don't know, they're playing SMU on a Thursday night or whatever it is. Don't they play Cal this year? Correct. Yeah, I think maybe that's a Friday night game. Uh, so, you know, Pac-12 teams are used to that. And then Wednesday, we find out the rest of the schedule. Yeah. That one's it at 5 o'clock. Now, now that I've said it out loud, it is yeah. it is pretty dumb. But, you know, you got to drag out the content, man. Yeah, I get it's it. It's not lacrosse season right now, Aslan. you got to fill right. up the airwaves somehow. Yeah, it hasn't been our strongest Monday show, so I get it. Shouldn't be throwing uh, stones in this glass house that I live in. So, am I being naive? I'm, I'm trying to be a little bit here, a little bit contrarian, just to spark some discussion here. But, you know, we joke about – you know, back-to-back Thursday night games or, you know, Thursday night game, and then maybe, you know, some some really tough game after that. Um, does the ACC have more motivation to stick it to Florida State or to look around and realize, you know, the revenue that is generated by your teams making into the playoff, making to New Year's Six Bowls is worth, that's more important than settling scores. And I don't want to say protect Florida State, but you know, look around and realize that you you really have to be – you have to squint hard to say that Louisville's for sure ahead of Florida State. You certainly can't say Clemson is. So, for all intents and purposes, Florida State is back to being your bell cow program in football. So, not saying they're going to do favors for Florida State, but I'm not anticipating a bunch of like, oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. Oh, that's screwed up. Am I being totally crazy? No, I, I, I don't – look, I think if they had their druthers, they absolutely would, but it would look so bad. Uh, that they, yeah, I think they would love to put Florida State on every Thursday and Friday night window available. Um, I just think they would. I'd be like, screw you. You're suing to try to get out. You can't. You, either you're going to play the schedule we give you, or you can forfeit all these games. Mike, sorry. Talking about Mike Offord there, not Norvell. Um, but they, they won't. I, I think it'll be, you know, what, how could it be other than playing like Clemson on Saturday and then at Miami on Thursday night? Like, there's not much you could really do to make it completely unfair. I think there'll be a little bit. There's no way, in my opinion, there's no way they don't have a uh, a special night game or two um, this season. I just I can't foresee that even being a possibility, a remote possibility. Um, so, yeah, I, I but I don't know if that means screwing them. But they're certainly not going to go out of their way to protect them. No chance. Because think about from their perspective. If they lose Florida State, how much money are they losing? Hundreds of millions of dollars over the course of till 2036, right? And yeah. revenue, ad rates, all that stuff. Just you know, audience. It would be a. It would be almost the death blow to the conference. Getting 
whatever the payout is for a team in the playoff doesn't come close to what they would lose by losing Florida State. So I think they, they would rather. And also, I think next year is when the, the incentives kick in, right? When the on-field incentives kick in where you get paid more if you have more success. Oh, I so, thought that was already. I thought that already. No, went that through. wasn't this past year. I think it starts this next year coming up. So they would love nothing more than Florida State to finish fifth, and not get any of that money, and it all go to the teams that finished ahead of them. So, I could foresee them throwing a little wrenches into the schedule. Could they? Like, what if they played Miami on a Saturday, mm. and then had a Thursday night game on the road, and then had to come back? But see, you still have like there's you really can't get hosed with a Thursday game because you do have a short week, but then you have a longer week on the back end of it, and then you have maybe like Clemson that following Saturday. Like, well, would that I, be my, screwed? Because I don't know if they have is, Louisville. Do we know whether they have Louisville or not? Because the whole three three five thing went out the window when they added Cal and SMU. So do yeah. we? Do we don't we don't know for sure their in conference slate, right? This isn't like oh we're trying to figure out the dates. We know who they're playing. We just don't know the dates. We don't even know who they're playing for sure, right? Correct, yes. So we have no idea. So they could technically, you know, I guess my point was in the ACC, it's hard to really screw people with the opponents. <laughs> right. Um, you know, and look, NC State's a fine program. They're always an eight-win program. You wouldn't want to play them right after Clemson. Cause on you the could, road, Especially yeah. on the road, on Carter-Finley, because you never play well there, and you could certainly lose there. So, yeah, they could find little ways here and there, but it's not like you have to go from playing – Clemson to play in Georgia and then Bama and then Texas or whatever you just read off for Florida. I could, Hey, I'll make this promise to you, Aslan. Florida State's schedule will be easier than Florida's. can make that uh, promise to you. Uh, and you're right. The uh, incentive initiative for success on the field will begin in 24-25 once the expanded college football playoff begins. So Okay, great. There we go. All right, well, let's talk some recruiting with Michael Langston. But first, mybookie.ag, promo code is WARCHANT. It's W-A-R-C-H-A-N-T. Can't believe I spelled it out, but I'm spelling it out because my other computer just locked up and I have to spell my password on it, which uh it's Warchan, everybody. That's how we roll over here at the Midtown offices. Uh, It is championship weekend coming up, division conference championship week. San Francisco favored by seven. Uh, We don't know the AFC yet because maybe we're recording this and they haven't put the line out yet, or maybe we don't know who's going to play in the AFC championship game yet. But once they do, the line will be there. You can go to my bookie and make your picks. You can also bet on who's going to win the national championship for next year and all sorts of future bets. It's all there at your disposal at my bookie. Use the promo code WARCHANT when you sign up for the first time for your instant cash deposit bonus. Promo requires $50 minimum deposit bonus and a rollover requirement of one time the deposit total, including your bonus withdrawal. For full terms and conditions, visit mybookie.ag slash about us. Hey, it's your Monday program. You know what time it is. Michael Langston in the house to talk recruiting. Always appreciate Michael taking time out. He's been busy all weekend, everybody. Hanging out out front more, talking to these kids, trying to find information all for you. All for you. What should they do to show some love, Michael? Oh, hit the like button. Um, and uh, drink DeLuna hot chocolate, too, oh, while you're at it. You um, but uh, definitely hit the like button. Uh, it certainly promotes all our, our great little things we do and all the fantastic features. We've got a lot of features, not just recruiting. So uh, definitely hit the like button, guys. Yeah. Or a five-star rating and review if you're listening to us on the podcast part of this thing. Um, all right, Michael. So portal kind of maybe sort of slowing down, maybe not, but high school visitors in mass descending upon Florida State. What was it, junior weekend? Uh, junior yeah, day? junior day weekend. Yeah, junior day weekend. You have three of them coming up. Uh, the one they just concluded, 
they'll have another one next weekend. They'll have another one the following weekend on the February 3rd weekend. So, you know, two more coming up. So just a way to get more eyes on, on guys and get these, you know, start the 2025 prospect, uh, prospects up as far as the cycle and um, just um, really kind of start that over. You know, it's kind of the beginning of the cycle. Let's start off with Jamie French, five-star wide receiver from Mandarin High School out there in Jacksonville, the 14th ranked player in the country composite wise second overall in the state of florida number three wide receiver in the entire country uh, his quarterback trammel jones committed to florida state french a long time alabama commit but obviously things uh, in flux in tuscaloosa i know matt lasser feels really good about jamie french uh, how do you walk away from the moore center this weekend michael uh, after hearing jamie french and kind of maybe uh, reading some body language yeah, I feel good uh, based on the people I've talked to, uh, you know, outside after the visit and after, uh, you know, him seeing FSU. Certainly he named FSU number one. That wasn't really a surprise, but I, I made sure that I wanted to hear him say it. And, uh, you know, but uh, I think overall, um, I think they're sitting in a strong spot. You know, I think uh, they're they're really good, not just because – his quarterbacks committed to FSU, but mainly the job that they've done with him, uh, whether it's showing recruiting, uh, you know, showing the guys they're going to add in, in different classes where it's portal guys or they're always improving, improving the roster where it's high school from 2024 or, you know, just what their focus is on 2025. I think, uh, you know, Jamie consistently wants to see. They even said that in the interview where he said, you know, I just want to see them keep consistently doing what they're doing because I think that's really – moved the needle a lot with him and the why I think they're they're sitting in a really solid spot because of how they've treated him, the relationships and stuff like that, but also just the product and what they do at his position, what the product is on offense. And I think uh, I think they're in solid position right here. I think I'm not so boastful and uh, as as Matt would be in putting a pick in yet, but I, I do think if I was putting a pick in, it would be for FSU right now. But um, I think they sit in a good spot. We got him on on three listed at 6'1", 185, uh, caught 62 balls, 14 touchdowns, almost 1,300 yards this past season uh, for Mandarin. So he's a five-star for a reason. Uh, speaking of guys that might have been committed to Alabama at one point or the other, <laughs> how about Zion Grady, uh, my guy from Charles Henderson High School out there in Troy, Alabama, uh, four-star defensive end. This guy seems to be the goods, Michael. Uh, what do you think he felt walking away from his visit this past weekend? 6'4", 210 edge rusher yeah I think it was really good I think it was really good having him around other the other coaches uh, uh for people that have missed I mean you know Grady has come out and said like look JP that's John Hewis is the defense ends coach he is the guy that he has the best relationship with not the best relationship at FSU the best relationship out of anybody you know uh as far as coaches so I think it was important to have him around both players and uh you know recruits and and, and mainly the the whole staff, so he could get to know the, a lot of these guys personally. I think Adam Fuller's uh, certainly done a great job as well. I think I, I've heard a lot of positives just on the interactions with Fuller, JP, and just um, you know his connection to you know what they're doing, uh, not just the product of of hey uh, being one of the t top teams nationally, but also you know just uh, what they do at his position. I think that really sells uh you know zion a lot on fsu is is the development i think that's a big deal with him but also you know just the comfort and feeling uh when he has when he's there and i think it's it's very unique i think uh, they've done that for a while 
He's visited FSU, I think, three times last year. Obviously, it's the first visit for 2025, and I think it was a big deal getting him on campus because a lot of schools were trying to vie to try to get him on campus uh, this weekend, and FSU uh, was able to you knock on the park. And a lot of that is, I think, the relationship with JP. It's really strong, and you have to have that if you want to pull off a kid from Alabama or the state of Georgia. And I think FSU is, is certainly put themselves in position to have a strong chance uh, with him. I think uh, mainly it's, for me, from what I see and what I hear from the intel regarding him is I think it's FSU-Auburn. Uh, I think those are the two teams I consistently hear a little more FSU uh, in the last week or so. But, um, you know, I think they're definitely a, a major factor. How high is he on the board for Florida State in terms of edge guys? Number one, number two guy? He would be, I would say, number one right now for me when I look at it. I mean, you, you already got Hillison uh, committed from uh, uh, Cocoa High School. Uh, you know, And this was kind of the next guy, not next guy in line, but this is the, the two top guys that I'd heard consistently the most. So I think Zion's probably the highest guy they want. And they've, they've coveted him for like three years. So uh, he's a guy that worked out at the Seminole Showcase. They know what he does. They know, I always say, Aslan, too, when these kids work out, with you at a Seminole Showcase type event, that that moves the needle for me because that's they're putting an investment into your program, what what it is and what they're doing, and and they want to see what you do with them when you coach them and you work with them and you you check out their technique and, and hit, see how it fits. And I think uh, I think both both parties are invested with FSU and in Grady, and I think uh, so far so far so good that they're really. Uh, you're, you're really getting done what they want to get done. And, you know, obviously it's going to be a long process, but I think uh, they're in position to where they want to be to to make a strong run for this one. I wear glasses, Michael. This is well known. Um, just want to make sure. Five-star linebacker, linebacker, five-star on campus, Zayden Walker, composite, <laughs> five-star guy, number one linebacker in the country, number three overall prospect in the state of Georgia, number nine dude in the entire country, six one and a half, two twenty five. Uh, out of Schley County. Um, yep. How real is that, man? You, you see linebacker and listen, whatever. You know, I, I know I downplay the importance of elite linebacker play, but it'd be nice right. to have one. I'm just not losing sleep if they don't get one. But when there's right. an elite guy in the state of Georgia and it seems like Georgia's interested in him, it's always a tall, tall mountain to climb. But uh, Mike Norvell likes to climb, right? Yeah. Number line, one linebacker in the country, uh, a guy they've recruited for like three years that um, as much as we – get on their recruiting as far as linebacker, uh, their development has been phenomenal as far as what their linebackers look like, in my opinion, on the field and, and in their opinion of a lot of these recruits. When they watch FSU, they're really, you know, it jumps out to them, you know, as far as, you know, what they do in coverage, how they utilize them, how they use them against the run, what they do, you know, against the pass, the kind of versatility that you would have in this defense under Fuller is another one. I know he doesn't get a lot of credit, guys. I know you guys are afraid to give him credit, but Adam Fuller is very involved in a lot of these recruitments, and I think he's very pivotal again in this one. I think Randy's done a, a really solid job of putting themselves in position to, uh, from a personality standpoint, but also what they can do with him development-wise. And I always say, like I said it before earlier, Georgia and Alabama, you have to have something different and unique. If you want to pull, you have to show something that they don't get if they go to, say, if they're from Mississippi, what, what do they get from Ole Miss or what do they get if Georgia and then and, and so on. I think FSU has that with, you know, just the feeling he has when he's on that campus, the feeling he gets around the team. 
the culture, what it's like, um, the connection with, with coaches. I think there's a really solid connection with Randy. I think there's a really solid connection with a lot of the defensive coaches, including, uh, and then also Mike Norvell has been a, a pivotal part. So <clears throat> while I will say Georgia, for me, might be slightly ahead, I don't think it's a slam dunk like a lot of people think, that it's like, oh, it's all of a sudden he's going to go all the way to Georgia. Obviously, I'm going to be skeptical after K.J. Bolton last year, but I think overall, everything I get from the intel, and this is not intel from the FSU side, this is intel from people around um, Zayden, is, is that um, he is very serious about FSU, and they are very high on his list. Heard that before the visit. Definitely heard it a lot more after the visit. So I think they're right there uh, with Georgia, and I think it's Georgia and FSU. We named Georgia, FSU, Miami, but I think it's Georgia, FSU. Those are the teams that have put the work in as far as the relationships, and I think the relationships are strong, the product's strong. He wants a place that's a great product. Um, that ain't Miami. Um, so <laughs> just saying, that ain't Miami. So uh, FSU and Georgia, I think, check off all the boxes that he likes, and I think he'll take fish events to both of them. And just uh, It will be a longer process. But I, the main point, the takeaway I would say that I picked up was this is closer than – I think most people think. Okay. All right. He's the number one linebacker in the country. Tavion Wallace is the number five linebacker in the country. 6'1", 197 out of Wayne County in Jessup, Georgia. He, too, was on campus, Michael. Yes. Um, is he is he for sure linebacker, 6'1", 197? Is there any, like, safety, or is, is he just pure linebacker and he'll, he'll tell them, build himself up and be fast and, and figure it out? Yeah, he's a pretty well put together guy. I don't know what he weighed when he was there, but I mean, he was a well look. I mean, looked like a linebacker to me, and everything I've been told was an outside linebacker uh, prospect for FSU. He's visited FSU like three or four times now. Um, the last two times he's visited, he told me the same thing: where FSU is number one, uh, and and I checked and. It checks out with the people I talk to that, that are close to him. I, I know Kentucky's in there. Florida's in there. There's a lot of other schools that are trying to get him on campus. But I think if you're looking for the next commitment, this is the one to kind of circle because I think FSU has is, is positioned themselves extremely well based on the intel I get. And, it, and it's been that way since he visited, I think, for the Miami game. I think there's a connection there and, and, and a connection of, of what they do I think it's more than just the personal connections. I think it's it's what they do at linebacker that really, really gets him excited or, or gets him excited about FSU and the way they've treated him from the start. Like a lot of teams have kind of tried to pick up the pace and, and go with him. And the, uh, FSU has been very consistent, steady, very uh, high coveted interest uh, in, in Tavion. And, 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 they're, and they're reaping the awards now because of, you know, that relationship and, and the fact that they coveted so early. So I think if I was putting in a pick right now out of any guy that visited this weekend, this would probably be the guy I'd put it in for. Let's go. There we go. That's an elite yep. linebacker prospect. That's a blue chipper. Everybody get excited for that. Uh, there's like a half dozen other guys in this thread over on the warchant.com premium recruiting board. So you folks go check it out. Subscribe. We're not going to give the way away the milk or the cow or whatever <laughs> yeah. it is. Uh, last thing on the way out though, Michael, um, the portal, Right, that's still yeah. a thing. Um, is it slowing down? Uh, were there any any vibes that you caught while being out at more this past weekend to cover the high school guys in terms of intel that we should maybe know about, or uh, should we just put away our transfer portal hat for now? 
Fortunately, I have to do too much double duty with the portal this weekend. Um, uh, Jacob Rizzi visited a Harvard offensive tackle. Ooh, all right. Uh, he was over there at FSU for a few days. Uh, I saw him a couple of times yesterday or, uh, or on Sunday or Saturday, excuse me. And, and so I noticed him a lot. And, and, and I know that's a guy they like. Um, he's not graduating till May. So that kind of lessened my interest level in it because it's like he's not going to be in a rush to – maybe decide and even if he commits he can't enroll till probably may so um i think it's it's slowed down a, a good amount as long because of like like i said unless a washington kid or, or a kid from washington or a kid from you know alabama or something and i think the alabama things almost run dry as far as the yeah. time there um so michigan's i think the only thing left out there if harbaugh were to leave i guess right right yeah. yeah so outside of that and, and even then there's kind of you know, how many visits you can do. And I think FSU's used up their allotment of visits for the official visits in that period for the early window. Oh, okay. So I think, um, I think May's probably what we're looking at and you're, you're looking at like three to four and it kind of, that, that goes to the plan of what FSU's had. Like they really wanted to knock out the major chunk and they did even more than what I thought. Uh, I, I thought it might be more so aligned lines of FSU might get nine and then finish it off with like, the rest of them like five or six or seven in the May window, but they really uh, you know jumped on it. Got fourteen guys, all of them enrolled, and then I think you're looking at like three to four uh, more additional spots. That there's not many spots that they haven't hit. I mean, that's the one. If you're you're, you're you should be excited about what they did in the portal first yeah. off, but secondly, if you're looking for something good, they've really hit on every position. You talk about linebacker, receiver, all the major places they want to edge. They nailed it, which is that was the number one need. And then I, I would say the only place that I think they could they would like to see more of is, is defensive tackle. You know, outside of that, I think they, they got one. But like I said, they got one at just about every position. But I think there's a few more spots they'd like to fill, like to get a left tackle, like to get a defensive tackle. It's certainly safety. Safety, uh, they already have one. Uh, They have two, actually. I think Earl Little can play there. I think uh, Devontae Brown could both play there. Oh, yeah, uh, I keep forgetting about Devontae. Sorry, Devontae. (laughs) So I think, and then then in the May window, you might see an experienced receiver that just uh, says, hey, you know what? I don't. I, I think I'm gonna enter the portal, and and that would kind of fit what FSU would covet is a receiver that has a lot of top numbers, top experience that would kind of lead these uh, younger groups that they have. Yeah. So I think uh, outside of that, but I think they've nailed it. I give yeah. them an A so far what they've done so far uh, on the needs and, and filling the needs. So I think FSU fans should be very excited what they've done so far. But yes, it is slowing down until the window in May. There you go. Uh, by the way, Jacob Rizzi, who uh, Michael mentioned from Harvard, all Ivy League players started the last 20 games for the Crimson. They play 10 game schedules in the Ivy League. They're funny like that. Uh, <laughs> graded out at 76 in 2022, 74 according to PFF. So we'll see if uh, that's yeah. something to keep an eye on as that uh, spring window opens back up after uh, we're all done doing things around here. Uh, we're done doing this segment, but Michael's never done. Recruiting always going on <laughs> over in the premium recruiting board, the PRB. So check it out. Him and Matt got you covered. Maybe another live show this week. I don't know, Michael. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. Stay on your toes. Whatever they want, whatever they want, whatever the people want, I'm here for them. That's Michael Langston, everybody. Michael, appreciate you, man. You got it. Thanks again to Michael for his uh, recruiting insight. Uh, on the way out, though, Corey, uh, hoops. Yeah. Uh, felt really good last week about hoops, men and women. Maybe not as good now. 
Yeah, it was a gross weekend. Uh, the women actually, uh, I don't know how many of y'all watched the men's game. Uh, that was a pretty awful game to watch, but the women actually had a worse weekend. Uh, they inexplicably lost to a horrible Virginia team that was 0-6 in the conference. Um, I still think, you know, Florida State was 15th in the country after two ranked wins last week in women's basketball and then lost two games this past week. One on the road to Syracuse, no shame in that, in the final quarter. They had a lead and blew it. And then they lost to a horrible Virginia team. They allowed 91 points. That's that's just not a serious that's not a serious effort there. If you're trying to like be a top four seed, top 16 seed, uh, be you know maybe you don't lose games at home to Virginia. So that was very disappointing. Just a very disappointing effort all the way around. Gave up 35 to one player, which is yikes. But yeah, Virginia was 0 6 and they lost. So that was that was gross. Get it get it together. Get it together, ladies. You're too good to look like that. Um and then on offense or sorry, with the men, I man, that's a bad matchup and they didn't play well. Uh so two things hurt them there. They didn't uh they didn't shoot well, but they're not a good shooting team. They don't ever really shoot well from the perimeter. But they didn't rebound at all and they didn't force they didn't have any steals. I think they Aslan, I think they had three offensive rebounds for the game. Mm. which is incredible because they missed a lot of shots. I think they re- they they rebounded like 9% of their misses from the floor, which is a hor- that you might as well not even try you're not even trying to rebound if you only get a good 3 out of like 33 missed shots. But then also they had zero offensive rebounds in the second half. I don't know that I've ever covered a game where a team had zero offensive rebounds for an entire half. And the Clemson has some big dudes in the post, but they're not Ralph Sampson and Elijah Wan. Like you should be able to sneak in for a rebound or two, uh, but they didn't. Uh, they didn't rebound well at all, uh, and they didn't. They didn't have any steals to create a lot of fast break scoring opportunities, which is what they need to do to beat good teams. I think Clemson is a good team, uh, so yeah, disappointing because they had some momentum. They finally had people in that gym to watch them play, and they kind of laid an egg uh, for a, log, a large part of that game offensively, and then uh, yeah, but you know they are, you know. Okay, so they're not going to win. They're not going to end the season on a 29 game winning streak or whatever it would have been, 23 game winning streak. They could still make the tournament, hmm. but you know that would have been a huge win. They got North Carolina this Saturday. They've got a road game at uh, who do they play Syracuse later this week. Um, win either of those two, you're you're in okay shape. But man, you really could have used. You really could have kept that going. You don't need to lose games at home where you only get three offensive rebounds. That's uh, that was a a bad look from a team that had been playing really well. Trying to get the standings pulled up here, but yeah, you're right, man. Uh, three offensive rebounds on the amount of misses they had was nine percent. So, huh? Nice. Look at you. That's crushing quick math. That. That's that. That's Georgia math. That Georgia public school math, buddy. There you go. Brady's in good hands. Is Brady all right? Everything good? Better? Trending well? You know what I did? I'm so tired, and we'll leave the show on this. I'm so tired of him not knowing things. Just, like, not knowing things. <laughs> you're a know-it-all over here. Come on, man. He's young. It takes I time. I know, but I, like, be be curious. Just be curious about the world. Who's come before you? What stars were. Like, I knew about Elvis when I was his age. Elvis was well before my time, but I knew who he was. You knew about um, him, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, but I knew a little bit about him, like how he started, and uh, Colonel Tom Parker. Like I just knew about him a little bit, and it just occurred to me on Friday night. Uh, I was I was yelling at him about something uh, that was like, man, he just doesn't care or know about anything. As most fifteen-year-olds, they just don't care about things outside of their purview, outside of their little bubble. So what I did on Sunday, weirdly, I don't know why this person came to me, but I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna make him research Eddie Murphy for twenty minutes. <laughs> 
and then give me an oral book report on Eddie Murphy. Right. And he did. And he did. And I sent it to Shanna, his mom. She thought he did a good job. He knows that he started on SNL now. Right. He knows about Gumby. He knows about Buckwheat. He knows about Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood. He called it L.A. Cop instead of Beverly Hills Cop. But close, close enough. Yeah. Close enough. Um, and then I told him that Coming to America was his best movie and that we need to watch that at some point, which we will. It's a kind of a crime that we haven't. And, uh, yeah, apparently Eddie Murphy has ten kids, Ooh. which I, I didn't realize. Yeah. Um, I knew he, he he got a little off the off the radar, like kind of went a little haywire there yeah. in the mid nineties to you know his older years. But uh, yeah, so he knew he knew he won a, he won a Golden Globe for uh, forty eight hours. He called it forty two wow, hours, really. But uh, yeah, he won a Golden Globe for that. Um, and then yeah, so I made him learn about Eddie Murphy. And tomorrow, I think I'm gonna do Oppenheimer. Oh, I was gonna say I thought you were gonna say tomorrow you guys are gonna watch Delirious together. He knew that too. All He's right. like, "Oh yeah," and he did a comedy show called Delirious, and I'm like, "Yeah, it's it doesn't age well necessarily if you watch it 40 years later." So we'll probably stay away from that one. But I think Coming to America ages well. But yeah, I just want him to know about things. So I want Oppenheimer. I, you know, when I asked him if he knew who Eddie Murphy was, and this speaks a lot about Brady, he said, "Oh yeah, he's the switch hitter that used to play with the Orioles." Ah, uh, close. He was close, uh. and he and I'm like, nope. And he goes, well, how many kids my age would have known that? And I'm like, yeah, but you didn't know it. You almost knew it. But I said Eddie Murphy, not Eddie Murray. And so let's get that. Let's just get to where you know things. Like, not guess, but actually know. So we'll see if it takes. But maybe next week I'll have him do something on Eddie Murray. I feel like you're you're the Marv Marinovich of a trivia. Like, you're a trivia dad. <laughs> you're just trying to make... Braid into some sort that? of cyborg I'm gonna make him, trivia all-star. I'm going to make him do research on Todd Marinovich, <laughs> just like some of our listeners should right now. Couldn't eat a Big Mac, was robo-QB, and then flamed out after, what, nine minutes in the NFL. Oh, man. That was a good 30 for 30, by the way. Maybe you it guys was. can watch that one together. Yep. You know? Yeah, that's good. That's a good point. All right, that's a wrap for us. Jeff Cameron Show, though, for your entertainment purposes and enjoyment, will be available, I think, from 1 to 3 o'clock. Uh, we'll try to be back midweek. Maybe try to lock down an interview, but we'll have a schedule to talk about. I'm sure we'll have a schedule reveal show live on Wednesday. Maybe Corey and I will do that, and that'll maybe mm. be your podcast or something. I don't know, just spitballing the stuff uh, as we dial in and get ready for hopefully spring football sooner than later. We don't know the dates yet, but as soon as we know, you'll know too. Stay connected to WarChant.com, your ultimate sell sports source. For uh, Michael and Corey, I'm Asal. Thanks again for listening to Wake Up WarChant, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill.